Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business. This week, my guest is Zach Lassiter. Zach is the AD at Abilene Christian University. Zach is smart, really can connect with people, and has a high level of wisdom. During part one, Zach and I discussed the importance of remembering your why, the process of being hired at ACU, being a maniacal loop closer, and much, much more. This episode will sharpen and strengthen you as a leader. So without further ado, my conversation with Zach Lassiter. Zach, thanks again for uh, creating some space for us. Look forward to hearing from you today. Why don't you walk us through your journey from high school to present day? Yeah, first of all, thanks, Travis. I really enjoy your podcast and what you do. So it's, it's an honor to, to be able to spend a few minutes with you today. Yeah, my journey, man, I, if, it's hard to believe where I've been and so blessed to get to where I am today. So grew up in the Bay Area, went to high school. Uh, actually, my parents still live in the same house I, I grew up in, um, never left the Bay Area. That was kind of where I thought I would would be my whole life. Certainly love California, um, but got enamored with the Pacific Northwest. And so went to Willamette University, uh, studied political science and econ. I thought I wanted to be either a Supreme Court justice or a lawyer or something to be able to help people through government. Um, really enjoyed my time at Willamette, uh, but found pretty quickly that while I loved the idea of helping people, I didn't necessarily fit in the political world. Just the people I was around just couldn't find um, joy in that and heard that you could do sports for a living. And I thought that was a really cool idea. Applied for a bunch of jobs and and never got a single interview uh, because I didn't really have any experience other than being a sports fan, which, as we all know, is a, is a really bad way to lead any interview of why you want to get involved in sports. Uh, so fortunately, people said, "Hey, if you want to if you want to get your foot in the door, then you've got to be able to to get some experience and or go to grad school." And and so I looked at what programs had sport management programs. Uh, and then there weren't as many as there are today, uh, but got really excited about a program in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and, and went there and got my master's in sport administration, very, very small program focused on college athletics. I thought, man, if I could go and, and see a, an ACC program growing up out West, man, what an amazing experience that would be. Uh, and absolutely loved it. Got my got my degree there. Uh the best part about Chapel Hill is I met my wife there. We actually were both going through the sport and men program together. Um, happily been married to her. It'll be 20 years in June. Rachel's uh, an amazing woman and uh, someone I'm very, very blessed to share life with. And after I got my degree there, they gave me a, an opportunity to, to get your first job, which I learned was the hardest one. And so I started working the ticket office there in Chapel Hill and picked up phones and talked to people and had a wonderful time there. It was right during the end of the 
uh, Dean Smith, Bill Guthridge era, and they were transitioning into a, a new era. But man, what an amazing time to be a part of of North Carolina and all the history and tradition. Uh, I'm so grateful for for my time there. Uh, but Rachel and I were, you know, uh, looking to think what's next. And three days before we got married, I actually accepted a job at LSU. And and I figured if she would say yes to me and we were going to move to Louisiana, I thought this is really going to be a lasting marriage. And so we picked up and went to LSU, had a, a great time. That was when Nick Saban was a football coach there, was assistant ticket manager there, um, had incredible success across the board. Uh, really, really thankful for that opportunity because I really felt like, man, now I got to see ACC basketball and SEC football. Um, that should prepare me for anything that I may see uh, after that. And, and so after a couple of years, uh, an opportunity came to to go to the University of Utah. And uh, that was a really exciting opportunity for me. The goal was to get back out West. Um, Utah was a program that I had a ton of respect for growing up. And it was an opportunity for me to lead lead a department for the first time. So a great growth opportunity. Uh, Rachel and I were excited about starting a family. And, and that was a place that we could see, you know, starting that in our lives. Uh, Chris Hill was the athletic director at the time. Chris is, gave me a ton of big breaks. Um, is someone that I have a huge respect for. I wouldn't be where I am today be, because Chris gave me an opportunity not just to grow in tickets, but to grow in areas uh, beyond just that. And so uh, that was going great. Got a call from Todd Stansberry, who at the time was a deputy AD at Oregon State, uh, but he got the opportunity to go lead uh, University of Central Florida in, in Orlando, Florida. And he asked if if I would be would consider joining him out there. Um, it was in the middle of January in Utah. It was snowing sideways. And he's like, you know, just come out and visit. And it was, I went out to Orlando and it was 75 degrees. Um, but as much as it was about, it was more about Todd and I could see his vision for what he wanted to build there. Um, certainly was enamored with the opportunity and, and what that would provide. Um, Utah was was really good to me, but felt kind of called to to journey with Todd and had an amazing three years at UCF, just as they were kind of growing into to who they are now. Uh, amazing experience, good people, amazing sandbox to be able to try all these ideas. Uh, and so really, really thankful for Todd. And then he got the opportunity to go lead Oregon State as, as the athletic director. And as much as I loved UCF, there was a strong desire to go back to the Pacific Northwest um, and and kind of have the journey come full circle, right? So Oregon State uh, was a, a great opportunity. We were there for six and a half years, um, was extremely happy. Scott Barnes, uh, once Todd left to go to Georgia Tech, Scott Barnes took over and, and Scott took care of me in, in ways I will always appreciate, um, led that program and the success they're having today is, is really exciting to see just the people that were part of that and how they've gone about building that program in, in a way that's authentic to, to Corvallis. And and our family was having uh, a lot of joy. Um, our boys were growing up and in a good environment. Um, but then I got a call uh, about an opportunity at, at ACU, and it certainly wasn't something that 
was never going to define my career by being an athletic director, nor was it something that was passionate, but just the way they talked about that place and what they were looking for, um, it led to a conversation and then another conversation. And ultimately, uh, just a year ago, um, well, a little over a year, 13 months or so, um, decided to pursue that opportunity to, to lead a program for the first time, to be a part of, of, of building something special here with, with like-minded individuals, a way to marry my personal and professional values and just the courage to, to, to get up and go and been so grateful for the opportunity. And, and now just survived my freshman year as an athletic director. And like every coach, the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. Um, and so I'm in month two of my sophomore year at ACU and couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity to lead uh, the program here at ACU. Okay. Um, any connection as you were sharing the, this, the story with me, which I, I, I kind of remember hearing all of it, but I to take one swoop, it was really interesting to hear. Any connection to Chris Hill before, like, did you know Chris Hill prior to uh, the job at Utah? I knew his reputation, um, but certainly had no prior relationship. Chris Hill had no idea who Zach Lasseter was. I, I was not high enough in the organization at that time for an athletic director to to be thinking about that. Uh, but when I got there, um, Chris Retrieve, who was actually my supervisor, who I have a ton of respect for, um, gave me the opportunity. But Chris uh, was really, really kind with his time and mm-hmm. was willing to share his story and, and the decisions that he made. And we just we built a uh, a mentor mentee relationship, which I, I kind of understood what that looked like. And, but yeah, no, certainly did not go there for Chris, but I'm incredibly grateful that he gave me the opportunity that he did. And Todd Stansberry, he's at UCF at that time. Did you have, did you know him prior to that opportunity? I did a little bit. Um, when I was at Utah, one of the the neat projects that I that Chris allowed me to do was to help with the Pac-12 transition. Utah had was in the Mountain West at the time and was moving into the Pac-12, and I was uh, tasked with our strategic plan on what that looked like. And then at the time, the PAC 12 did a home posted football championship model. And uh, so each school had to nominate a representative to do that. I was the representative at Utah. Todd was representative at Oregon state. So just through that transition, I got a chance to know Todd a little bit, but we, we weren't necessarily, I never knew that I was talking to him with an opportunity down the road. It was more just a natural connection and, and a love of college athletics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm always curious uh, when you hear people's journey on how God brings people that you maybe knew in the past to all of a sudden they get a job and the connection. It's just really fascinating, especially in a play in a, in a industry like sports, um, whether it be in sports administration and or coaching, how small the world gets really, really quickly with just connections and, oh yeah, I worked for him. And then, yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to pull on that thread a little bit. Um, Biggest, biggest impact, top one or two guys that had the biggest impact in your career. I know you mentioned Chris Hill, Todd Stansberry, Scott Barnes, any, anybody else? Yeah. Who's, who's been the most impactful? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a, a ranking, right? I, I think at certain times you admire people and how they've been successful in a way that allow them to do that while maintaining 
who they were and uh, a recognition of, of how authenticity in our industry is challenged a lot because the athletic director position is people want it to be so many different things and you no individual can quite, there's no way that they can do all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what I, what I took away from Chris Hill at Utah was Chris was incredibly successful. Um, and you look at the, the duration at the time he was one of the, the longest and then became the longest standing athletic director at our level. And we all know the transition that goes on, the opportunities. Um, and Chris, he would say, you know, turned down a lot of opportunities that were uh, perceived as, as larger, right. Uh, larger compensation, larger brand, those things, because he appreciated his ability to impact a department and have, have the ability to have success based on what he felt was right at the time. And so mm. he was able to consistently move a program up every level along the way and do it in a way that he felt like if I, if things weren't going to be successful, at least it was because I was able to make decisions. Cause a lot of times mm. in the athletic director chair, um, you're not the decision maker the way that some people think. And so I really appreciated Chris's humbleness to turn down larger opportunities to be able to truly impact and, and drive uh, what he believed was, was how to lead that program the right way. And then Todd Stansberry, I'll be forever grateful because he reminds, reminded me every day of why what we do matters. Hmm. That while we are certainly covered and some people perceive us as an entertainment industry um, and, and a competitive industry, at our hearts we're educators. And, and he modeled that behavior every day about investing in student athletes and that they're the future leaders of our communities and anything you can do to pour into these amazingly talented uh, uh, young people, its impact's going to be great. And no matter where he was or how decisions were made or who he chose to spend time with, he always put student athletes first. And, and that was a, a really good reminder for me, especially somebody who who grew up on the external side of it and, and was constantly tasked with revenue generation and brand development and storytelling. That if that's all you're doing, um, while important to have resources to be able to to move your organization forward, your whys have to matter. <laughs> and and your, if your why doesn't involve student athlete in the athletic director position, then I think you can lose sight of of why we decided in this country to marry higher education and athletics, um, unlike any other country in the world. How hard is it to to keep that at the forefront, especially? So, uh, so there's uh, as you were sharing that, it's really good. By the way, I was I'm thinking that that the the tickets, the fundraising, that stuff that feels like it is a little bit removed. It's not like you're in the academic world where you're meeting with you know. Uh, five baseball players consistently and helping them navigate their classes. You're you're out visiting with donors. You're you know doing the marketing that sort of thing. How hard is it for an AD and or kind of that external side to remember? Oh yeah, we are here for the development of these young people. Um, yeah, how hard is that to to kind of keep that in, in at the forefront? It's hard and it's easy. I mean, it's hard in the sense that there are so many things 
that you want to do as an athletic director to allow your organization to be successful. And, and certainly without resources or getting folks excited about your program, you're not able to have an impact. At the same time, I think if you don't spend time with with young people and with student athletes and seeing why what you do matters and the impact, I don't think you can ultimately convey a story that will get people excited uh, about what you're doing and why it matters. And so it's it's an energy filler to me because there's so many parts of our job that are important, but our energy drains, right? Or, or that, that make um, the job challenging. And so you have to, to get you going to continue to say, hey, this is why we do all these things. This is why all these things matter. You've got to spend time with people to understand why it's important. And, and so it's easy to do that because every time you spend with them, it's a reminder and it gives you more energy to go out and do all the other things you want to be able to do. It's also, they're just amazing people. I mean, these mm. are one percenters. I mean, these are young people that really are going to be future leaders. You'd be surprised how much you learn from these from these young people, um, how they think, how they deal with adversity, how they perceive certain things. Um, they keep you young. So uh, I think I'm better at what I do because of the time that I spend with them, which then allows us to be able to articulate to, to stakeholders why you need to continue to support what we're trying to do and why it matters. That's really good. Okay, I often ask um, athletic directors and coaches to walk us through your hiring process. So for example, for you, you've got an opening at women's soccer or you've got a baseball opening. Walk us through what you're going to do. I'm going to flip the script a little bit. And I would love for you to take us to, through the journey that you uh, had about a year ago, a little over a year ago, from like that first phone call. I'm guessing from a search firm, I'm going to have you walk us through in specific what it was like for you to go on this journey to, uh, which is, you know, ended up you being hired there at ACU. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think, there's so many different directions I can go with that question. I'm trying to think the one that, that may be most. How about I ask this search firm reaches out. Is that what happened? Or did the president reach out or did another stakeholder at ACU who, who initiated, where did contact initiate? It initiated with the search firm, uh, but I, but I would say prior prior to that, I got asked the question for about fifteen years: Do you want to be an athletic director? <laughs> right, like is, is that is that the ultimate goal? And early on, I feel like young administrators feel like they have to say yes to that question because that that conveys ambition, right? Desire to to grow. But the reality is, I, I don't think you really know what you're saying yes to. And what I would say I look at for every opportunity was God has given me certain gifts. And the older I get, the better I am at understanding what those gifts are. And how do I put myself in a position to where what I, what I, the gifts I've been given, the experiences I've been given, how can I help an organization get better? Um, and, and what position does that look like? And early on, I think I was a tad intimidated by the idea that my gifts and somehow would be matched up with leading an organization um, and being, you know, 
the the number one person in that department and, and my I was safe what I would do as a uh, defense mechanism is is to say, oh, I just want to be a number two, right? I, mm-hmm. I just want to be the one behind the scenes, you know, giving advice to the person uh, in front. The more experience I was given and the more opportunities that presented to myself, um, I found myself at a time where as they were describing what they were looking for at ACU, I genuinely thought that that potentially aligned with the path I was trying to go. Um, and that in that situation, you know, my experience and the gifts that I've been given seemed to be um, aligned with what they were looking for. And so that intrigued me enough to have that conversation along that process. And ultimately, you know, it became something to where I think both, you know, I obviously said something that that Phil Schubert and ACU felt like was the right match, but I also felt very confident going through that process that I wasn't, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to be an AD. I wasn't doing it, um, you know, in a moment I, I was, I was consistently reflecting on what my gifts were and where I could be successful and then being very discerning and asking really, really good questions along the way of trying to figure out if that's, that's a match. How long a process was it from the moment that you first were uh, contacted by ACU to, hey, Zach, you've got the job? Probably a month or two. I mean, I'd have to go back um, and and look at at that duration, but it wasn't a a long amount of time. Uh, So I'd say, yeah, somewhere between 30 and 60 days. It was a fairly, fairly quick process. And how much, um, how much contact, how many conversations did you have with just the, you and the president? We had multiple conversations, um, and and he was a big reason why I continued to get more excited about the opportunity, just because of what his vision for what he wanted ACU to become, uh, his ability to support that. Um, his growth mindset and and what he his success of doing that his passion for this place um, made me more excited about the opportunity because I felt like that's a huge part of of our ability to be successful is for the leader's ability to articulate a vision and have the courage to to try and make it a reality. And and that was something that I could tell from our very first conversation that um, he was as advertised. He's yeah. he's an elite leader, in my opinion. Dude, he seems like a stud. He seems so good. And someone so, to learn from, like you know, someone who's incredibly successful and and intelligent, but also has the ability to lead and develop um, and encourage me along the way. That that is equally important, I think, in any in any relationship between a president and an athletic director is, you know, is there a synergy there, a desire to help each other get better? That's so good. Um, how many uh, how many people really vetted you? Were there other people that the president had talking? Like, were there a, was there a, a group of people that you can you know talk to more than once i'm trying to get a scope of how like stealth is the president doing this search how broad is he does he have you meet with like 20 people on campus yeah give me some insight into that yeah every search is different i certainly um in in talking to 
to friends and, and others about their process, that the only consistent thing is that every process looks different. Right. Um, in, in our situation, I was able to visit with the president, and then I visited with our search, the search committee that it, that included uh, head coaches and stakeholders and others, and we had a nice conversation. So, it, yeah, every situation looks different, um, and I certainly don't want to get into all the details of of who I met with, but I would say that my conver- every time I had another conversation with them and asked them, you know, why why ACU? What, what was it that made them passionate about it? The way they talked about this place had me more encouraged. Um, and also when they asked, you know, my experience, I was able to, I think, articulate to them or talk to them about everywhere they're trying to go. I've been blessed with an experience that I can lean on that could help us to where we want to, to get here. So there was, it just became more and more apparent that, uh, through these conversations that it, it seemed to be, uh, and a, you know, a department and an individual that seemed to kind of be meeting at the right time at the right place. You mentioned that um, I think when I think you mentioned as your defense mechanism for a period of time was, oh, I'm just a number two guy, just you know, to to help a number one guy. Do you remember the moment where you had this aha moment of maybe, maybe just maybe I can be a number one guy? Well, I think that insecurity or or that I don't think that ever leaves you entirely. Um, I think in in when I think about the process at ACU, there was a moment that's very clear to me. Uh, I was getting ready for my uh, airport interview with with the committee, and mind you, I this was the first time I'd ever been in an athletic director interview before, so I. I really didn't know what I didn't know. And I spent the last 30 minutes prior to that interview listening to Zach Williams, who, who's a who's become one of my favorite singers. And he has a lot of great songs, um, including Fear is a Liar and many others. And I just, I asked for, I prayed for the courage of just be who you are in that moment. And if it's if this is where I meant for you to be, then that's where it'll be. But don't don't try and be somebody you're not. Mm. And so for me, it wasn't a matter of me convincing myself that I'm an athletic director. It was more me being comfortable and being worthy in who I am. And if that's something they're looking for, then that's more encouraging than anything else. Um, so I think that was the moment where I felt incredibly comfortable in being who I am and where that carries me to lead, I'm going to be okay with it no matter the result. It's good. Uh, what have, what's maybe a, a lesson that has stuck out that you've learned from Dr. Schubert in your year there at ACU, you talked about the sharpening effect that a, that a president and AD, I think can have on each other, but you talked about it, about him helping you become a better leader is there something that sticks out to you that you're like, man, this just resonated at a deeper level when he shared this with me? So many, so many things, but but two things that would jump out. Uh, one is, and he he's he's a, he calls it be a maniacal loop closer. Mm-hmm. So this this idea that as a leader, you've got to be able to follow through on what you say you're going to do. And I and I would say in 
if I looked back in my career as, as someone that's a little bit more creative and leans more toward the ideation side, there were certainly times where I was not a maniacal loop closer. I would come up with an idea and I wouldn't follow through. And as a leader, I think that impact is significantly greater than when you're just a team member. So I, I think I, that's something I constantly remind myself is I want to be as as a as much of a maniacal loop closer as Phil Schubert is. The other piece of it is he's in, incredibly good at, at being an encourager. And, and I think in, in leadership uh, and in what we do, especially in college athletics, I don't think as a leader, you, you can encourage people enough. And that doesn't mean you're not holding them accountable, but he has a way of, of holding you to an extremely high standard while also encouraging you every step of the way. And he does that by the questions that he asks or celebrating those successes or being really thoughtful about celebrating those things. Um, and those things stand out to me because that's those are things that I want to now model and, and be a part of because I see how those can really be successful in, in what we're trying to do. That's good. Um, first year on the job, you you talked about um, the engagement with the student athletes that gives you energy. What else have you found over the first year on the job has given you energy? And then I'm going to ask after that is what is what is the thing that you have to do that 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 drains you a little bit? So first, let's start with the anything. What else really gives you energy? Gets you up each and every morning? Talking to coaches. I think coaches are brilliant individuals that see the world in ways uh, that is, that fascinates me. And they, and they don't all do it the same way. But I think talking to coaches about growing their programs, having success, what, what hurdles are they oversee? I, I love figuring out ways to help coaches get better. Um, in in ways because and I also learn a great deal from them. So any any time I spend with coaches talking about their program, what they're trying to do is an energy uh, filler for me, for for sure. Um, you know the drains. I mean, it's in general. I think it's just the the details. I mean, it's not a drain. I know it's important. I know it's something you have to do, but it's 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 implementing and being disciplined about the procedures and processes that lead you to the successes that what you want to have. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's not the sexiest thing you do, but it's absolutely worth every minute you spend. And so while I'm not excited about doing it, I'm excited about the results that come from it. So it's been really important to institute processes and procedures that I used to kind of look, look, past and, and not see their value again going back to my external creative mindset but now i kind of understand how that how those processes lead us to the results we want to uh, and so yeah while i don't look forward to it i do dedicate time because i'm i really am excited about the results that they've allowed us to accomplish what what are the gifts that god has given you what are the the strengths that he's just wired you Maybe giving you some experiences that help help sharpen them. Yeah, what are your what are your strengths? It's always a hard thing, right, to talk about your I gifts. Um, 
but if you don't share them, then it's hard for people to understand where to put you. <laughs> so it, I, I do totally. encourage people to to be confident and comfortable in, in sharing that because that allows you to articulate where you can have the, the greatest impact. Uh, so for me, if I'm a big strength finders guy, and so I actually have my uh, my five strengths sitting next to me on my desk every day, um, and it's relator, maximizer, ideation, arranger, and strategic. And I think those are those are pretty good. Um, I I think the the ability to see how pieces can come together to 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 create something special. Um, I think I'm comfortable taking risks. I, I'm okay being first in things, and so that allows me to to take chances and kind of see where things are going and not be so enamored with, with where things are. Uh, It's not a, it's a strength. I think just the places I've been, Um, the courage to, to go places that seem wildly different (laughs) uh, are great experiences. And now the years of experience have allowed me to understand that take those experiences, but ultimately don't say, well, this worked at Oregon State, so cross it out and put ACU. It's the ability to be very curious and be an active listener. And then that, that to me is ultimately what has led me more than anything else to where I am today is a curiosity and the ability to ask questions and be a listener and then having the courage to listen to what we say we want to do and go out and then do it and, and, and find like-minded people and put them in positions to be successful to get after it. And that's what what's allowed departments that I've been a part of to have a lot of success along the way and for me to be a really, really small part of it. You've mentioned talking to athletes, connecting with athletes and coaches. Are you an extrovert? No. No. Interesting. Uh, any test I've ever taken and is that I would that I'm an introvert. Uh, and I embraced that. Um, and that that was probably one of those things, one of those myths I told myself early in my career was, oh, I'm an introvert, so I can't be a leader. Mm. And um, I have found just from watching, there are as many successful extroverts as there are introverts, um, but each of them know who they are. Uh, and so while I, while I find energy, uh, in those conversations, I, I do need the ability to reflect and spend time alone um, to to get me to continue to to dive into those conversations and, and be a part of um, the community that I am in. Let's double click on the reflection. I think it's a really important deal. I know for me personally, when I reflect and I take time to pause and think through what I learn or, or, or just about my days, I'm just better. So what? Give me insight into when you say reflection, what does that practically look like? When do you do it? Um, is it organic? Is it planned? Yeah, walk us through. I'd love to hear more about your reflection. Yeah, I, I think I think some of it is planned. Some of it is is absolutely a commitment um, to finding those times where um, you recognize that you need you need to to best serve the people around you. You've got to serve yourself. Uh, in terms of of where it, where it's organic, I think the transitions that I've 
that I've been a part of and the desire to create new things um, requires you to, to reflect <laughs> to, to mm. some degree. I'm naturally a reader. And so when I find myself reading or listening to a podcast, that will absolutely then trigger reflection. Um, hopefully I read a little bit longer before I reflect, but I usually find that reading or listening to smart people is a trigger to reflect. Um, so yeah. I try and, and do that where I can. Um, I try to find time in every day that is about reflection. And I've I've found a better rhythm here than I have in the past, just in terms of identifying time in the morning where I do that. But then it's also like finding a full day or time where I can get away from everything and and understanding that um, that's going to allow me to continue to grow because I've just seen too many others in our industry um, go so quickly all the time. And I am prone to go quick. Like everyone would say that, you know, I, I, I have a motor that is that likes to go, go, go. And, and I try to explain the reason why I can do that as long as I have is because I do take time to reflect and get recalibrated to where where I'm going has a purpose as opposed to just for the energy itself. So I, I think I'm getting better at it, Travis, um, about creating them. Uh, but it absolutely is something that I believe, without a doubt, has allowed me to be able to have the career I've had is is that commitment to it. Even when it's tough reflection, sometimes it's not as pretty as it is other times, but um, I do think it helps me a great deal. Thanks for listening. Be on the lookout next week for part two of my conversation with Zach Lassiter.